Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome to the Science of Success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet with more than 4 million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. Are you feeling too distracted to pay attention? Does listening make your brain hurt? In a world full of noise and distraction, listening is the biggest leadership hack in today's world. In this episode, we crack the code on how to deeply listen, how to listen for what is unsaid, and tons of specific hacks and tactics you can use to take your listening to the next level with our guest, Oscar Trimboli. Are you a fan of the show and have you been enjoying the content that we put together for you? If you have, I would love it if you signed up for our email list. We have some amazing content on there along with with a really great free course that we put a ton of time into called How to Create Time for What Matters Most in Your Life. If that sounds exciting and interesting and you want a bunch of other free goodies and giveaways along with that, just go to successpodcast.com. You can sign up right on the homepage. That's successpodcast.com. Or if you're on your phone right now, all you have to do is text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44. When you listen to our previous interview, you can uncover the neuroscience of how your brain gets stuck and finally start using the strategies that really work to create more breakthroughs and results in your life with our previous guest, Dr. David Rock. If you're feeling stuck and want to get a major breakthrough, listen to our previous episode. Now for our interview with Oscar. Today, we have another great guest on the show, Oscar Tromboli. Oscar is on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. He's an author, host of the Apple Award-winning podcast, Deep Listening, and a sought-after keynote speaker. 
He consults for organizations including Cisco, Google, HSBC, and many more. He's the author of the best-selling works, Breakthroughs, How to Confront Assumptions, and Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words. Oscar, welcome to the Science of Success. Thanks, Matt. I'm really looking forward to listening to your questions and uh, curious about what I can learn from one of the creative capitals of the world in Nashville. That's awesome. Well, Oscar, it's so good to have you on the show. I'm a big fan of your work and really the message that you share. And to begin the conversation, I'd like to start with a simple question, which is just how did you come to to listening? Why listening? What made you want to write about that and start talking to people about the importance of it? I think listening found me rather than me finding listening, whether it was growing up in a school with 23 nationalities, people from post-war Europe or people from post-war Asia or South America, all learning English as their second language, whether it was rebuilding a graduate program at Microsoft that eventually got taken to 26 countries around the world and listening to the graduates who'd stayed with Microsoft as well as the graduates who left. And ultimately, when a vice president said to me, Tracy said, Oscar, if you could code the way you listen, you could change the world and kind of ignored that for about two years. And then somebody else said something really similar. And they said to me, if you could train 10 million listeners in the world, you could make a huge difference. And I came back a month later and said, yeah, I could do that, Matt. And they said, great. Well, if you could do 10 million, why don't you do 100 million? And I went, huh? I just said 10 million. That's a huge number. And they said, if you can achieve your goal in your lifetime, it's not ambitious enough. So add a zero, go for 100 million and see what's possible. And I was chatting to a Kevin in, in Atlanta recently, and he threw out a challenge to me to make it a billion. And he said, come on, McDonald's has sold more burgers than you trying to get to listeners. So be a little bit more ambitious. I love that. What a great piece of wisdom it has nothing to do with listening, but it's so insightful. If you can achieve your goal in your lifetime, it's not ambitious enough. Yeah. And, you know, Matt, who was the person who told me that really challenged me to stop thinking about listening only as something that was something that I could teach face to face. He forced me to get it into books and he said, build podcasts and there are assessment tools and so many other ways you could get this out to the world because right now the world's struggling. You know, we're struggling individually with distraction. We're, we're struggling with our cell phones. We're struggling to stay in the moment. In fact, it's happening for you right now while you're listening to this podcast. You may be commuting and distracted or you may be exercising and distracted. And distraction for the people in our research database, 1,410 people, 86% of people are struggling with distraction either externally like a device, a phone, a laptop, an iPad, or internally with some of the own noise going on in your head. Your radio station may be playing at a completely different frequency to what the conversation is that's going on right now. And we've kind of spent the 20th century, Matt, learning how to speak. I think the leadership hack for the 21st century is learning how to listen. The stats are really simple. You spend 55% of your day listening on average. The more senior you are, or the larger the organization you lead, the more of your day is spent listening. So senior execs are spending up to 83% of their day listening, yet only 2% 
2% of us have ever been trained how to listen. I'm sure, Matt, you had a very much more sophisticated education than me. You probably had a listening teacher growing up, right? I definitely did not have a listening teacher. And most of us don't. Our, our biggest and most influential listening teacher are our parents. And the closest they get to it is, Matt, I wish you'd really listen to me right now. Why aren't you paying attention? And when I get asked off stage after I speak on the topic, the number one and two questions I get asked, and they're pretty interchangeable, can you help me teach my manager how to listen? Or how do I teach my kids how to listen? And at the end of the day, everything you do is, is role modeling listening. The reality is without a listening teacher, although we can see in color, we listen in black and white. We listen in two dimensions. We kind of listen to what they say and we kind of try and make sense of the sentences and the paragraphs and the stories. But the reality is there's so much more to listening if we could listen in five different colors, not mountainous technicolor, but just move from listening in black and white to five colors, it would make a huge difference in the world. I'll flip it the other way though, Matt. If you think about the teacher who made the biggest difference for you at school, generally people say it's the teacher that listened to them. Is that true for you? That's a good question. I don't know if it's true for me or not. But the the thing that taught me how to listen is that I was a debater in high school and you have to be able to listen really intently to understand what the other side is saying and doing. And how did that make you a better debater by doing that? We're flipping the script already. I like it. It made me a better debater because... And this is, this is something that as you're well aware and I'm, you're evangelizing this idea around the world, it, to be successful at anything. And, and I apply this in business and life across the board. You have to understand what someone else is doing, what they're saying, what they're feeling, what they're going through to be able to respond, to be able to provide a solution. And that was true, whether it's a response in a debate all the way up to whether you're dealing with a, a management crisis at a company. It's the same fundamental thing. You have to be able to understand what's really going on and what's really happening and confront reality as best as you can discern it. And to be able to do that, you really have to listen very deeply. And the leaders I work with, Matt, and you highlight this from the debate, and one of the exercises I set them is for today, the next day, and the next week, listen to somebody in the media you fiercely disagree with. And in doing so, so not, not a person who's right in front of you like it was with your debates, but if you can tune your frequency to make sure that you listen to somebody in the media, whether that's on TV or radio or a podcast, Whatever they have as an opinion, make sure it's the opposite to you and then you can start to understand the difference between hearing and listening because if you listen to someone you fiercely disagree with, suddenly you'll become conscious not only of their assumptions, their judgments, their prejudice, anything you find that's different in your historical experience to them, but you also start to notice that as a mirror back to yourself and you wonder, what prejudice am I holding? What assumptions am I holding? So a really simple tip for everybody, if you want to become aware of your listening blind spots, those things you're not even conscious are true for you, spend one day out of the next seven and spend 30 minutes listening to someone you fiercely disagree with through the media. 30 minutes is important because for five minutes you can hold it, maybe even for 15 minutes you can hold it. But once you go past the 18 minute mark, you start to get frustrated and you start to get 
angry and you start to want to debate that person there. So a really simple, practical tip for everybody. If you want to become conscious of your listening blind spots, listen to somebody you fiercely disagree with. Yeah, that's a great tip and a great strategy. I want to come back to something you said a second ago that I think bears digging into more, which is this notion of the difference between hearing and listening. Tell me more about that. So we all hear. In fact, the very first skill we learn inside our mother's womb at 20 weeks is to distinguish our mother's sound from any other sound mat. At 32 weeks, you can distinguish Beethoven from Bon Jovi from Beaver. And the minute we come into the world, we come into the world in very active birth. The moment you scream is when the clock starts. That's when you're on your birth certificate. The time of your birth is defined by the time you scream. So we spend the rest of our life screaming to be noticed. And yet the very last thing that leaves us as a skill when we pass away, when I interviewed a couple of palliative care nurses and doctors, is hearing Hearing is listening to sounds. In fact, while you sleep, you can hear. It's really important that you hear while you sleep because it's part of our survival instincts. But listening is the ability to make sense of what you hear. The difference between hearing and listening, I always say, is the action you take. Nothing is more frustrating when you have a conversation with somebody and you nod and you commit to do something and you don't do it. And the next time they come back, they go, how did you go with that? And, and you go, oh, I forgot. And then that, they interpret that as, well, you heard what I said, but you really didn't listen. So for most of us, listening is about making sense of what we hear. Deep listening, on the other hand, is helping the person who's speaking to make sense of what they're saying because too much of listening is fixated on ourselves and understanding what we need to do to make meaning of what they're saying. That's handy, but a really powerful listener helps the person speaking make sense of what they're saying, not just you make sense of what they're saying as well. So most of us, and in the 80s and the 90s, they had this amazing movement called the active listening movement, which is focus on the speaker, notice what they're saying, nod, use nonverbal affirmatives like mm-hmm, mm-hmm or tell me more as an example. But the reality is all that's helping you to do is helping you to listen is interesting. Helping them to listen to themselves is even more important. Matt, there's three parts of neuroscience I'd love everybody to understand before they leave the podcast today. And if you are only taking one note, this is the note I'd be taking. If I got run over by a truck and I hope that one thing I pass on to the world is these three numbers. I speak at 125 words a minute, you listen at 400 words a minute, and I think at 900 words a minute. And we're going to deconstruct each of those numbers. So this is the maths and science of listening. It's the neuroscience of listening. If I speak at 125 words a minute and you can listen at 400, Matt, you're going to be distracted. You're going to fill in the gap. I'm going to sound boring. And there's 300 words you're going to fill in your head because you can. If you want to try this out, just turn the podcast up to two times speed and you'll still be able to make sense of what we say. Blind people can listen at up to 300 words a minute because they've trained their mind to do that. For blind people, the speed at which they can listen increases their ability to literally see their environment around them. So if I can speak at only 125 words a minute, uh, a horse race caller or an 
auctioneer can speak at up to 200 words a minute. You can still make sense of that, but we're all programmed to be distracted. And again, it's happening for you right now. I'm not speaking fast enough and you're filling in the gaps for those 300 words that I'm not speaking fast enough for you. And it gets worse. If you're on your cell phone and you're sending a text message or a WhatsApp message or anything else on that phone, it's impossible for you to notice what I'm not saying. It's impossible for you to notice my body language. But here's the frustrating thing for me as the speaker. I've got 900 words stuck in my head and I can only get 125 words out at any one time, Matt. So the maths is really simple. The likelihood the first thing out of my mouth is what I'm thinking. There's a one in nine chance or 11% that what I say is what I'm thinking. I'm at the stage in my life that I'm spending more time with a doctor than I'd like. And if they said to me, I got an 11% chance of surviving surgery, I'd be asking for a second opinion. And the reality is in a conversation, we should be asking for a second opinion as well, Matt. I want to explore a couple of the things you said. Those are some really interesting stats. Coming back to something you talked about a second ago, tell me about this idea of how do we help somebody listen to themselves. And I might be phrasing that incorrectly, but how do we focus on the other person and the idea of deep listening? How do we help them make sense of what they're saying as opposed to just actively listening to them? Yeah. So the very first place to start is to remember if, if there are five levels of listening, level one is not paying attention to the speaker. Level one is listening to yourself. You can't be conscious enough to focus on them and their listening if you've got the last conversation that you just had in your head or the next conversation or the fact you've got to go to the gym later on this evening or the fact you've got to sort out something on the weekend or you've got a dinner party or you've got a birthday party and you've got all this noise going on in your head before you even get to the conversation. It's impossible for you to help them listen until you listen to yourself. You need to be an empty vessel in the conversation so you can focus on them. But a lot of us come into the conversation as if we jump into the passenger seat of a car and forget to put our own seatbelts on. We're driving away in the conversation and all of a sudden if they slam the brakes on, you're going to go through the front window because you're not in the same swim lane as they are. You're not in the same conversation. So three really quick tips, Matt, to get you centered, ready for that conversation to help them listen to themselves. Tip number one, switch your cell phone off. Oh, wow. That's kind of crazy talk, I know. But if you're addicted to your phone, which about 86% of us are, just switch it to flight mode then. In flight mode, you can take some notes, but you're not getting notifications coming in. In the data that we've done, 1,410 people, the biggest struggle people have with listening is the distraction of the cell phone. That by far makes up the biggest distraction. If you want to improve how you've listened and you've got the cell phone switched to flight mode or off, here's two other tips. Tip number two, drink water during the conversation. Just a glass of water for every 30 minutes in a dialogue. A hydrated brain is a listening brain. The brain represents 6% of the body mass, but it consumes up to 25% of the blood sugars of the body. It's a really hungry part of the brain. The reality is a hydrated brain can get more blood sugars there faster. Brain that isn't taught how to listen struggles with how to listen. We do a lot of work in the prefrontal cortex when it comes to listening. This is the most modern part of the brain, but it, when it's untrained, it feels hard 
a lot of people say to me, listening makes my brain hurt. And I always say you're doing it wrong if that's how you're doing it. And we'll explain what that means shortly. Tip number three is simply this. The deeper you breathe, the deeper you listen. So if you can notice your breathing and deepen your breathing, the more oxygen you can get to the brain, the more likely it is that your brain will perform well on the task of listening. So three things before we even start fixating on the speaker is to get ourselves into a state that we're available to hear what they're saying and more importantly, to hear what they're not saying. And that's where we're going to go to next. But I'm sure that's prompted a few questions for you, Matt. So many different things that I want to explore and so many important themes and ideas. I think the place I want to come back to, those are great tips. And, and I, I really love, I want to reiterate or emphasize the point you made about putting your cell phone in airplane mode and even the idea of actually telling somebody in a conversation, hey, I'm going to put my phone in airplane mode so I can really focus on you in this conversation. It's a really powerful gesture. It reminds me of a great story I have to share with you. About 11 years ago, Peter was flying from Seattle, Microsoft head office. He ran a, about a $100 million business for Microsoft. It was not insignificant. You figured this guy's pretty busy. And I was hosting 20 CEOs in Australia in a round table where he would be at the head of the table. We were in a fancy pants hotel that had this big boardroom table and he'd literally just flown in from Seattle that morning. So he's straight into the meeting. It was 9 a.m. and he was at the head of the table. What Peter did next really changed the way I thought about listening. He sat down, I introduced him, and then Peter said, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. The most important thing I can give you right now is my attention. With that, he stood up. He took his cell phone out of his jacket pocket, switched it off, and put it in his bag. Now, what was interesting was what happened next with the other 20 CEOs sitting around the table. What do you think happened then, Matt? I don't know. They all put their phones away? Yeah. So 14 of them put their cell phones into the bags. Now, what that did for the other six was interesting. I don't know if it shamed them into doing something, but I'm guessing the rest switched them into flight mode. And for a lot of us, we can bring about change just by role modeling that change. And in most meetings, when I do that, the person I'm working with will reciprocate. So if we want to bring about change, it's not about asking everybody else to make that change. If you can simply role model, make an example that you're going to switch your phone into airplane mode, you'll be surprised what happens to the other person, but more important, what happens next to the quality of the conversation. And I love that point too about saying the most important thing I can give you is my attention. I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but that was such a, such a powerful example, such a great gesture. And it's it's something that's so simple to do, and yet it's it's hard, and it's not necessarily easy. What happened at the end of the meeting was fascinating. So these execs, they've got these amazingly tight schedules. They're in the country for two to three days, and they have all these very highly leveraged meetings where he was going to other locations to do very similar kinds of meetings. And I debriefed the group for the next half an hour. And what was fascinating was 
they said they were expecting the group to talk about the future of technology or something else to do with technology or technically orientated conversations. That's what they were expecting from Peter and that dialogue. But what they said was, Peter, Peter was just asking each of them what they were struggling with personally. And it was a, he created a pretty safe environment. That group I know stayed connected well after this event with some of the challenges they were talking about themselves personally. And the value that Peter created wasn't just the value around what he talked about technically for a very brief period of time, but he helped the room listen to each other. And that, again, is a really powerful thing we can do. A lot of the times, if there's three, four, five, six people in the room, we generally hear from the loudest. We don't take the time to make sure that everybody is being heard. And that's really critical. Again, the difference between a recreational listener and a deep listener, a powerful listener, an impactful listener, is their ability to listen to what's unsaid, Matt. So back to the point about helping somebody make sense of what they're saying themselves. The most potent thing we can do as a listener is to help them make sense of those 800 words stuck in their head. Back to the maths again. I speak at 125 words a minute. I can think at 900. That's an average. Some people can think at 600 words a minute. Some people can speak way up uh, think way up to 1,600 words a minute. So on average, we speak at about nine. Uh, think at about 900 words a minute. So if I say the first thing that comes out of my mouth, unless I'm a great actor who's rehearsed my lines well, the likelihood what I say is what I mean is 11%. That's you get probably better odds going to Las Vegas and playing the slot machines or going on the roulette wheel. And the, the odds are going to be much better for you there. So here's a couple of simple practical tips. When somebody says something, treat silence at the end of what they say like it's a word. Listen to the beginning of the word, the middle of the word, and the end of the word. Treat silence like it's another word. And in doing so, what you'll notice is they'll either unpack another 125 words in their head well, they'll pause, might bow their head down a little bit. But if you can remember these simple phrases, what else? Tell me more. How long have you been thinking about this? What else? Tell me more. What else have you been thinking about this? All of a sudden, um, just ma magic happens. And you'll be nodding as I say this. What they'll do is they'll draw their breath and they'll use phrases like this. Hmm. Well, actually, what's really important on this topic is, well, they'll say, hmm, now that I think about it, what I haven't told you is, well, they'll say, hmm, what I've said is interesting, but let's focus on this. And doesn't matter how it comes out, Matt, what they're doing is exploring what's stuck in their brain. You see, our mind is like a washing machine. While we're on wash cycle, it's sudsy, it's dirty, it's moving around, and it's kind of not making much progress. But when we speak, it's like the rinse cycle of a washing machine. It's like clean water is coming into our brain. And as we speak and express this idea, what's happening to the neural pathways and the synaptic connections is they're creating an electronic circuit for the idea to be expressed. And then the idea 
takes a concrete form where we can look at it together, we can analyze it together, and more importantly, the speaker can see it and notice it. So for most of us, if we just practice saying, tell me more, you'll be shocked what you hear, but more importantly, they'll start to understand what they mean, not just what they said the first time. Have you ever been in a situation like that, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. And those are great strategies. I love all three of those techniques or, or phrases that you can use to really dig in and explore any conversation. And even the fourth thing, which is the silence. Silence is such a powerful strategy, such a powerful tool, and in some cases can even be a weapon in some conversations. In the West, we have a poor relationship with silence. We call it the pregnant pause. We call it the awkward silence. Yet in China, Korea, Japan, many of the ancient traditions like the Inuit of North America, the Aborigines of Australia, the Maori and the Polynesian cultures, a lot of the ancient jungle cultures of Africa and South America, silence is a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of seniority. It's something they're extraordinarily comfortable with. And in our rush in the West to fill silence, we actually miss out on quite a lot. Tell me more. I like how you're role modeling that, Matt. It shows you're listening and what that made me feel when you say, tell me more, is like, wow, Matt's taken the time not only to hear what I said, but to listen to it and use the phrase. So in a lot of Aboriginal cultures, for example, and the great storytelling cultures of the planet, silence makes an important part of the story to allow the person who's listening to the story to catch up in their mind the gap between their imagination and what the speaker's actually saying. But it also helps them to overlay their own experience and meaning behind it. For most of us, if we've heard powerful public speakers, what we may have noticed in stage shows or musicals, great oration, if we think about Martin Luther's speech, I Have a Dream, there are many pauses that he used in that speech to allow the 200,000 people at the Washington Monument to catch up with what he was saying that was really important. And in using that simple phrase, tell, tell me more, we, we create much more nuance in the dialogue. We create much more awareness in the dialogue not just for me as a speaker, but also for you, Matt, in asking that question, tell me more. Now you've understood a bit more about the storytelling cultures. And for those in the audience listening, they have a different perspective. I think it's fascinating that tell me more, what else, et cetera, these, these phrases create the opportunity to simultaneously bridge that gap, the, the numbers gap, to be a deeper listener and to get a more rich, nuanced, and, and detailed understanding of, of whatever you happen to be discussing. You know, a lot of what we've discussed so far, we think about in one-on-one -on -one settings, but I want to take you to a room in a workshop that I was doing in 2015, and it was March, and it was a one of those kind of narrow, dusty, bald rooms with poor light. And we'd been working since 8.30 in the morning in a workshop with a, with a group of leaders in an organization that had been growing at about 30% since they started five years earlier. And in that room, it was 11 people, and we were just before the lunch break. It was about quarter to 12, 
and everyone was kind of hungry and the CEO was giving me the eyes to say, hurry up, let's get to lunch. And we just had one simple exercise and the exercise was this. If you were to describe our organization as an animal, what animal would you describe it as? And as we went around the room, the loudest spoke first and they kind of anchor the conversation. People tend to follow what the first off people would say. So some people said an eagle, some people said an osprey, some people said, think of any bird of prey that moves really fast, flies and adapts to its conditions and kills things. <laughs> That's what everybody was saying. And yet Elaine, who was the last person in the room, the card-carrying member of the introvert community, she hadn't finished. And the CEO was looking at me as if like, can we just get to lunch? We don't have to wait for her. And I turned to her. I didn't say anything. I just turned my body to face her. I reached out my hand as if to make an invitation. And she looked at me and said, I thought we were a snake. The tension in the room rose dramatically. When you think of a snake, Matt, what goes through your head if you were to describe the characteristics of a snake? Quiet, slithering is what comes to mind. Mm. Anything else? Mm. If you were to generically say snake is good or bad, it's probably not good. Yeah, negative. Yeah. And again, I'm looking around the room to seeing the reaction of everybody. And the CEO by now has given me these laser-like comic strip laser eyes straight into mine as if to burn my skull. Like, can we get to lunch? We don't need to listen about a snake. And I, I extended my arm in invitation just a little bit further. So I've done all of this without saying a single word to Elaine. And she said, I thought it was obvious that we've forgotten to shed our skin for our clients. We haven't adapted to the seasons. So the backstory is the business was growing at 30% per annum, but it had now plateaued and competitors were doing a much better job of them. She said every season we would adapt like a snake would and shed its skin. And as the seasons change, we would change too. And we've forgotten how to change. And the room completely moved to a different space. Rather than going to lunch, the CEO asked more questions. He skillfully didn't fight and judge the idea. And what happened as a result then? The organization started making product names based on snakes. They started thinking about that shedding skin moment. Are we getting close enough to our clients? Which was another thing Elaine said. A snake can get up so close to you, you can't even notice, but we've forgotten how to do that. Whereas a bird has to swoop in and swoop out and can be quite quick and move out very quickly as well. So the point is really simple. How many Elaines are you not listening to in meetings that can completely change the trajectory of the thinking of the organization? You see, introverts think, deeper and longer, it doesn't make their opinion any less valid. But because we don't take the time to listen at level four, which is listening for the unsaid, we'll miss those opinions consistently. So when you're in group meetings, if you're leading the meeting, and even if you're not, draw out the opinions of those who haven't been heard, and it will completely transform not only the direction of the meeting, but also the impact of the meeting too. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. 
Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring the right person takes time. Time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Incredible story and so interesting. I love how you even teed it up and said, what do you think about snakes? And and then you you come to this realization of the powerful implications of that. Really, really interesting. You touched a second ago on level four of listening and, and earlier we started sharing the five levels, but I'd love to come back and really share all five of those and unpack them a little bit. Yeah, let's do the quick movie trailer for five levels of listening. Level one, listening to yourself. Level two, listening to the content. Level three, listening for the context. Level four, listening for what's unsaid. And then level five, listening for the meaning. And for each of those levels, I'll just provide one quick explanation and a tip, Matt, if that makes sense. So at at level two, listening for the content, this is where most of us, if we've had any training in how to listen or our focus on how to listen means we listen for the content of the speaker 
We listen for their words. We may listen for their body language. So the ninja tip at listening for content is listen for energy. Notice how far back their shoulders are. If you can listen to where they're speaking from, that's even more powerful. See if you can notice the change in my voice as I move down further into my throat. I'm a little bit more constricted down here, and that probably tells you I'm not comfortable articulating the idea as opposed to doing it from here, which is down in my deep diaphragm, and I'm feeling very comfortable with it. If your head is in your cell phone and you're not paying attention, you're not going to notice that vocal fry that happens occasionally because sometimes it only happens in a microsecond. For some people, the simple act of taking their shoulders back a little bit further and filling their lungs with air gives you a great signal to say something's changed for them. So listening to what they say, even watching body language as an example, you know, are their arms crossed or are they squinting when they talk? All these nonverbal signals are taught to us in, in body language. But ultimately, the third thing you want to notice is listening for state change and in doing that, you can simply ask them, what happened for you then? And they'll go, wow, they noticed that I brought my shoulders back or leaned in. And all of a sudden, that's the same code word to help them explain and get connected, not just to what they're thinking, Matt, but also to what they're feeling. Your gut has more nerve endings than the brain. So if we can help people get more connected with their gut feel, that's an awesome way to listen. Level three listening for the context, we want to understand what patterns they talk about. Do they talk always about the past or the future? Do they talk about problems or solutions? Do they talk about themselves as individuals or do they talk about collectives, teams, for example, organizations or families? Or do they talk about very internal things, either internal to them or internal to the organization or are they externally orientated? If you can notice patterns in the way people dialogue, you can simply say to them, hmm, I'm curious if you've noticed any patterns in what you've said so far. And again, that's another way for them to start to think about what they haven't said. In most cases, whatever pattern you're thinking about, they won't notice. So if you say to them, hmm, curious if you've noticed any patterns in what you've said so far, whatever pattern they come up with is probably not the pattern you're thinking about. Level four, we've spent a bit of time here, but it's the ninja move of listening, listening for what's unsaid. It sounds completely counterintuitive, but we want to unpick the other 800 words that are stuck inside people's head. Listening to the unsaid expands the conversation, helps them make sense of what they mean, but this is where you can have an impact beyond words and you can amplify the impact, not just of you in that conversation, them in that conversation, but you can have probably multi-generational impacts on some of the conversations you have because you're expanding the thinking. Level five is listening for meaning and listening at meaning can be something as simple as this. I was doing a workshop with a sterile manufacturing company a couple of years ago, 86 people managers in a room at, and you could cut the tension with a knife in there. I was there to talk about listening, but I could sense by about the 20 minute mark, the room wasn't there to listen about listening. They had many other things on their mind. And for a lot of us, we just need to trust our gut feel a little bit more. I turned to my host who was the CEO and said to him, 
if it's okay with you, I'm just going to change what I'm going to do for the next five minutes. Are you okay with that? And he looked at me again as if to say, are you crazy, man? And I said, well, do you trust me? And he goes, do I have a choice? And I said, yeah, you do. You're my host. So I'm in your hands. It's your audience. He says, I trust you. Go for it. I turned to the room and I said, look, just for the next two minutes, can you just turn to the person next to you? Tell me what movie is happening right now in this organization on this site with 500 other employees working out there. The room instantly changed energy, Matt. It was this buzz in the room. There was lots of laughter and everybody was kind of having a joke. It was really hard to pull the group back, to be honest. I probably lost complete control of the room at that point in time. And then I thought it was two minutes, but it was probably closer to seven. We wound the group back and said, hey, we'd love to know some of the movies. And as the hands went up, the movie was Die Hard with a Vengeance. The movie was Titanic. The movie was Tower Inferno. You name the disaster movie, and they were saying it, Matt. Now, the funny thing is, none of them would ever have turned to the CEO in the room and said, coming to work every day feels like I'm working in a disaster movie. But that simple question, what movie are we in, or what book are we in, or what stage show are we in, or what TV character might we be? These simple ways to detach yourself from the content all of a sudden changed the mood of the meeting and it changed the mood of my host. He stood up on stage, he took the microphone off me and gestured for me to sit in his seat in the front row. And at that point, I just went, oh, well, guess I'm not getting paid for this gig. But what he did next was amazing. He turned to the room, he apologized. He said, I'm really sorry. I don't expect anybody to come to work at a, in a disaster. I've tried to solve this problem with you for three months and I can't fix it. Can you help me? And in that moment, he gave me the mic back and said, Oscar, you've heard something in 25 minutes that we haven't heard in three months. Can you use the remaining time to help us move forward? And all I did next, Matt, was say, who aren't we listening to to solve this problem? And they all agreed they hadn't talked to the frontline production workers. Now, the backstory. For three months, they've been struggling with an impurity in this very sterile manufacturing process. And every time they thought they'd solved it, the impurity came back. Now, the implication of that is up to $10 million worth of stock is stuck in quality assurance because they won't let that go out to patients. And in three days, talking to frontline production workers, they solved that problem. But more importantly, they solved it permanently. So sometimes the most important people to listen to aren't even in the room. And yet for all their sophisticated Six Sigma and five wise methodologies and powerful masters and PhDs in chemical engineering, it was the frontline workers, the people who packed boxes on the assembly line who pointed out what was wrong in, in the piping in the system that helped everybody listen. But if we didn't listen for the disaster movie, we wouldn't have had the permission to go there. So that's where you can have an impact beyond words if you really listen deeply. Another incredible story. And two of the questions that you brought to that are so fascinating. One, I love the question about what movie or what book or what TV show is happening right now in this organization. Such a great question. And, and the other one, which you just touched on a second ago, is this question of, who are we not listening to right now? Both of those are tremendously powerful. And unfortunately for a lot of organizations, the answer is 
the people closest to the customer, the people closest if you're in a non-for-profit to those that we serve. If you don't listen to those frontline workers, you will be hearing from your regulators, you will be hearing from the media because you missed the point of why the organization or leaders exist because whether it's the global financial crisis or the Deepwater Horizons BP oil spill off the coast of Louisiana, in all cases, the frontline workers weren't being listened to. They were telling us it's a problem. They were saying there were issues. There were complaints coming into the system, but people were choosing not to listen. So for all of us in that moment, if we come back to this week, for 30 minutes, just listen to someone you violently disagree with to help you tune your listening muscles in to remove judgment and bias from the way you approach your listening. You'll make some huge steps to becoming a deep, powerful listener. And most practically, Matt, please switch that phone into flight mode for every conversation that matters. And people say to me, yes, Oscar, but what are the conversations that don't matter? And I always say, if you're having a conversation with a human, they all matter. You'll be surprised what you learn no matter who you speak to. So switch those cell phones to flight mode. You'll be shocked what you learn when you're listening fully. You're listening in technicolor rather than listening in black and white. Two great recommendations. And we usually ask our guests for, for one action tip or practical piece of advice or homework for the listeners to execute, take home from the episode. I think both of those are great pieces for that. I have one other question, which I'm curious. One of the, the key components, and, and this is something that I've unpacked a little bit just from some of the stories you've told, is that you seem to be a master at asking great questions. How did you develop that skill set? I think... It was from watching other great masters asking questions. I think it's when you see the impact a question has on others, and particularly for me in my case. So, you know, that question, Matt, we talked about right at the beginning when my Matt asked me the question, do you think you can achieve that goal in your lifetime? And I said, no. Like, it was a great question. And he said, well, if you can achieve it in your lifetime, it's not ambitious enough. Now, it didn't matter what I said. The point he was trying to make was, are you being ambitious enough in what you're trying to achieve? Now, he could have said to me, you're not being ambitious enough. And yet, the distinction that he made was really potent to me. If I can own my own change through my own awareness of the gap between where I am today and where I need to be in the future, I'm more likely to do it than if somebody tells me to do it. And the only way you can get someone to notice the gap between where they are today and where they want to be tomorrow is not by telling them, it's by asking them a question. You know, Matt, if you were in my studio right now, on my right is a four-foot poster of Yoda. On my left is a two-foot stuffed Yoda, and all across my shelves are various Yodas. And Yoda asks lots of questions too, and people have told me that, you know, my questions are Yoda-like. But ultimately, if you ask questions, it means your attention is on them and not on you. And wow, couldn't the world be a different place if we all started to put our attention on the other rather than just ourselves? So I think for me, 
I was taught great questions by other people. But the thing I always do is ask myself this, if what I'm about to say next is a question for me and my understanding, it's the wrong question. It needs to be about them and their understanding. And that's a tough muscle to develop. It's really hard to keep your orientation and your attention on them rather than, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I work with actuaries inside insurance companies who calculate all kinds of things, the likelihood that your car's going to be in an accident. If you contract uh, some kind of disease, how long you might live. And I have this thing called dyscalculus, which is my ability to transpose numbers. It's not a good skill to have. It basically means that if you were to read out a telephone number to me, there's 25% chance I'd get it wrong. So I'm not really good at maths, Matt. But yet I consult to a lot of actuaries and insurance companies who have an amazing relationship with maths. And despite that, they all find me really helpful because I never ask questions where I'm trying to understand the formula. I'm trying to help them understand their thinking and their formula as well. So I don't think, hmm, I wish I had a more elegant answer for you, Matt, about how to learn to ask questions. I think for me, I've learned a lot by watching skillful questioners. And the other thing I've always done consistently is ask myself that question, is this question for me or is it for them? I think the more powerful questions will always be orientated around helping them. The magic happens when you put your attention on other people instead of just putting it on yourself. Such great wisdom, Oscar. Where can listeners find you, your work, and and everything we've talked about today online? Really simply, if you just go to listeningmyths.com, there you'll be able to download those five practical tips that we talked about to keep you on track. Switching off the cell phone, glass of water. But there's a couple of other tips in there that are just going to keep you on track for a little bit longer. So listeningmyths.com, that's the entry point to everything, Matt. Well, Oscar, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing all this wisdom incredible and insightful stories and such a great conversation. Thank you so much for for being a guest on the show. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created the show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm gonna give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're getting an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. Lastly, you're gonna get a free guide we created based on listener demand, our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free, along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or 
If you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.